Jerry Cantrell once said that part of the healing process is sharing with other people who care. In today's society where personal conversations are minimal and social media has taken a toll, let's bring back the concept of talking again. To listen and understand. This is Transparency 101. Say their names. Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and most recently, Rayshard Brooks. These were the names of the people who were either racially profiled or suffered the consequences due to neglect at the hands of police officers, which led to their untimely deaths. And that doesn't even scratch the surface. What do they all have in common? They're black. And no, this episode, nor anything pertaining to the justice or equality of blacks, is not a start of a race war. It is to help end it. We're living in a time where everything is being caught on camera. Raw footage of people, human beings being murdered right before our eyes. Now imagine the racial murders we do not see that don't get social media attention. Newsflash, this, happens to pe this has been happening to people of our color, or of color in this country for years. Experiencing, yet alone witnessing, death at rapid rates should not be normalized, yet we have become desensitized, and blacks have been traumatized. Some people think that this whole Black Lives Matter movement had only recently made an uprising that has made a global effect. We as blacks, no, no matter where our relatives arrive, are tired. We're angry and we're frustrated over countless years of racially biased injustice in a country that has not shown or given us equality. Are we just upset over the murder of George Floyd? No. And if you think that, then you've missed the whole point. George Floyd was the straw that broke the camel's back. This isn't a time for my non-black counterparts or listeners, listeners to come back or refute what will be discussed on this episode, but it is a time to simply listen and learn. I have some guests joining me today to discuss the topic on the effects of dealing with system, systemic racism and injustice. They will be expressing their stories, their thoughts, their feelings, and their opinions. I'd like to reintroduce to the podcast, Transparency 101, Manali, Marcus, and new to the show, Sophia. Hi, guys. Hey, Mel. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. That's great. Thank you all for joining me today um, to talk about such an important matter, especially in the times we're living in today. I know this is a reoccurring story. Um, on most people's podcasts or just their platforms. And I just wanted to take the time for us, uh, a, a few close friends of mine, to share what our thoughts are and how we're really dealing with things emotionally, mentally, physically, um, what effects it really does have on us as people of color. Um, so, again, thank you guys for, um, for joining me today on Transparency 101 and talking about the injustice and inequality in America today. Thank you for having us. 
No problem. So we'll jump right into it um, with question number one. Can each of you share what effects of the recent injustice that's gone on in our country has on your mental, emotional, or physical state? Uh, we'll start off with uh, you, Sophia. Let's start off with you. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's interesting. Mentally, emotionally, and physically, I've been feeling the same thing. Uh, this perpetual state of fatigue and ex exhaustion and just feeling tired. Um, it's been a distressing time, but equally as empowering, um, as strange as that may feel, I feel like uh, there has been a legitimate rage that uh, has been you know, birth in all of us. And it's also been very consuming, a very taxing time. Um, yes, most of the friends that I've been talking to, we're just like, we feel tired. I mm. think that's, that has been the common theme for me. Mm. Marcus? I feel the same way. I mean, my, my thing is, it's very, very exhausting. I mean, we, we come across, it seems like every other month, you know, we come across a situation where we have to explain ourselves, we have to go through situations, and we have to continue to see, you know, acts of violence against a certain people that it's, it's just draining. You continue and have to, to, to talk to a certain individual. You might have to educate some people who should already be educated on the matter. And we, we have to constantly see the, this, this injustice that's happening. So for me... Mentally, emotionally, and physically, it just has been draining. Mm, I understand. And Manali, we know that, um, given your background, Indian, uh, you don't necessarily see, uh, you see what's going on, but you don't necessarily have the effects. Are there any emotions or, uh, you know, anything mentally that you're going through right now? Um, yeah, I mean, mentally and emotionally, I am overwhelmed there, there is a lot going on and I think generally I tend to overthink which I am trying to recover from like I'm an empath so mm -hmm. when I see a lot of my black friends being you know hurt over and over again and uh, not get their justice and, um, you know just have to deal with this over and over again it I feel for them and um, like you said, it's not something that directly affects my community, but I still, you know, like I still feel mentally and emotionally overwhelmed by what, you know, you must be feeling as my friends. Right. Yeah, and I think that's so important for, you know, our non-black counterparts to actually, you know, see what's going on, feel it, you know, and to say something towards it. Manali, I know that there was um, a story you had wanted to share or just kind of give your input on, you know, just the racism within the, in, like, Indian community, correct? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, so racism is something that Indiana deals with often as well. And I've never really particularly lived in India, so... I feel like I'm at a loss here because I feel like I am in no position really to make any comments because I don't live there. Mm -hmm. However, I do some I do see something in the Indian community and it it comes from back home, you know, and 
in India, like it's preferred if you're lighter skinned, and this is among Indians. So mm-hmm. you know, wherever it is, if you're in India, if you're dark skinned, um, if you're dark skinned Indian uh, versus a light skin, the light skin is just more preferred in um, a lot of different um, platforms. Um, there are a lot of uh, you know, beauty products that are geared to making you lighter and they use that to sell products and they use that in, you know, their commercials and things like that. And I see that, you know, being carried over everywhere and it's just, it's hurtful because now I see this and this is on a much grander scale, right? So, um, and it's just something that our society has dealt with and it's good to see that a lot of um you know the youth are sort of stepping out and talking against uh racism i think this is definitely Uh, a newer generation for sort of for all of that and that's good i mean i enjoy the fact not i want so let me backtrack or scale back not that i enjoy what's going on but the fact that like we are actually standing up like the millennials are saying something instead of allowing things to just be as is you know we're comfortable yeah. in our skin we're happy with who we are and we're standing proud we're standing in general just everyone is just standing yeah. So, um, on to question two, for sure. Uh, what significance does these events or events from the past have on you, and why? Um, anybody can step in and kind of, you know, answer that. I can go for it. Um, so, I'm a professor, and a lot of the work that I do is rooted in anti-racist pedagogy. Um, so... A few years ago, I used to do a unit on police brutality. I don't do it anymore. Um, uh, I've sort of switched things around, but the, the lesson was pretty simple. I would split up my students um, into groups, and in an envelope would be a list of people who have fallen by the hands of uh, the state. So like Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, so on and so forth. They would pick a name and in groups they would conduct research about what happened to this person and they would present whatever audio or video that has been released to the class. And it was one of the most impactful and profound lessons and we would debrief about it, we would write about it. But what I realized was that if I was teaching five or seven classes for the semester, I was watching those videos, you know, five to seven times every day, every week for years. And so I realized how harmful that was to me to constantly be inundated with that much violence and that much vile. And I think that a lot of us in our community, we're realizing the collective trauma and just having to consistently relive um, these people's final moments that just go viral. And I believe they should go viral. That's how, you know, action is started and conversations are started. So I say all of that to say, in doing that lesson for years and being inundated with that information, I've made it a point to set boundaries for myself. Like, I haven't watched Ahmaud Arbery's murder. I haven't watched George Floyd's. I do my research. I know what's going on. I have my friends who do watch these videos describe it. But I think there's something to be said about the collective trauma that sort of has been normalized in watching these videos. 
Um, so for me, these events have made me realize that I need to sort of guard my mind in a very specific way because it's not normal to see our people brutalized and murdered like that so casually as we saw with George Floyd, you know, how casual that officer was. Yeah. Um, so it, it has heightened my sensitivity um, for this. Mm. I see. For me personally, I feel that this was significant because, again, there's, and it's, 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 you can just see it globally. It's such a, a change. I feel like this was, again, like I said in my introduction, the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back. This was okay. that, like, no more enough is enough, like, where, you know, this whole time we were going along with, you know, MLK, with the peaceful protest, this specifically started the ML, the Malcolm X movement, for mm -hmm. real. And, mm -hmm. again, it's not to say that, you know, it's great, but it's something to really think about and say, this has been happening for so long, now enough is enough. And we can't, we won't stand for any of this anymore. Um, it, it is extremely traumatizing to see just everything that has been going on. And what really hurts me is to know that the convictions, the amount of officers in the United States that have killed unarmed people, especially black, and have not been convicted, just that ratio is astonishing. It's literally little to none. And the injustice that goes behind that is extremely, extremely hurtful. And it really makes us feel on a day-to-day -day basis that our lives really do not matter. And I understand that officers have this, you know, they say that they have this immunity or this, this you know, law that protects them. Um, you know, whenever they say that they feel threatened, they can do whatever, you know, but that, come on. Nobody is above the law. And, 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 and this is my point when it comes to question number two, the significance of these events you know, me and Mel, we talk we talk a lot. And what gets me the most is that I'm an inner city kid. I was born in Brooklyn. And I I wasn't I wasn't surrounded by racism like some people in the South, but it was still around. Uh -huh. You know, I saw it in the school systems. I heard about it from, you know, the adults who were who were older that worked in corporate America. They they they've all said it. I've always been around some sort of of racism. However, you know, I was young when it came down to like Rodney King, um, beef, the, the OJ case and how that was di dividing everybody. You know, I, I was young. So now coming up to these most recent events within the past couple of years, nothing has ever, for me, it started with Trayvon Martin uh -huh. for me, because you couldn't tell me that, that, George Zimmerman was going to get off. You could not tell me. Man, listen. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I'm not anything. So when I read that case and I saw that it was um, um, video, you had 911 audio, you had eyewitness testimony, you couldn't tell me he wasn't going to get off. I right. watched that case live. I watched it live. I was on CNN and I was on the phone with one of my homegirls and we was talking. 
And I asked her, I said, yo, are you tuning in? The verdict getting ready to come down. And what she said to me will always reign in my ear when I hear anything else regarding uh, uh, another black man being murdered. She told me, why would I tune in? Because he's going to get off anyway. Wow. And I was like, nah, what is you saying? I, immediately, I thought to myself, okay, well, she didn't she didn't follow the case. Mm-hmm. When I watched those jury get up, hand that letter to the judge, the judge read that he's not guilty for every single offense. He didn't get charged for anything. That is when it hit me that it is that it is the scales of justice are not balanced. Mm. They're not balanced. And these 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 events are significant. They they continue to show the world. Now with George Floyd is global. They continue to show the world that there is an imbalance yes. of power. There's an imbalance of equality and there's an imbalance of justice. I and just like Mel said that that the, the camel that broke the straw, the you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I'm with it. Uh-huh. That's exactly that's that is exactly the case because and Mel know because we talked. I could not watch the George Floyd case for a very long time. Uh-huh. When I watched it, I saw there, there was an image of when he was holding his knee on his neck, that officer looked down uh-huh. and he repositioned his neck to keep it on him. Jesus. Stuff like that. I mean, this is what I'm saying. And like, when you when we go through things like that, this is why we have conversations like we're having today. We wouldn't need to have these conversations if things was right. If things were, if things were in order, if things were balanced and things were fair, we wouldn't need to have these conversations. So that's why to me that these events are significant in the way that they are simple that's very true when you think about how we protested back then just the amount of pain just just the trouble everything that you know black people in america has been through in history you have to think about history for us to still be fighting for this today Uh still you can't tell me to anybody that's not like tiring, and it's a like, generational it's thing at that. People, people always act like we're supposed to. We're supposed to fall back. In 1963, we marched. 1964, we marched. 1962, we sat in. All of these things we've done over and over and over again. And people act like that. This is new. This is not new. We've been doing the same thing for years. For years. Certain certain civil rights leaders have um, said the same thing. 60, uh-huh. 50, 60 years ago, they, they've been saying the same thing. Uh-huh. This is not new. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is this is not new. And and, and what, what kind of irritates me is when I hear people who say, I have to learn. Learn what? It's uh-huh. already been there. What you mean? You know what I'm saying? If you have to learn, you're telling us that you got privilege. Mm. And I'm going to generalize it. I'm going to generalize it with everybody because mm. I'm not just going to say that there are all black people are for justice and everything because you got a lot of good uh-huh. white people there. Right. You know, Absolutely. You got white people out there. But for the for when we're looking at it from a broad standpoint, it's it's different. You know what I'm saying? It's different. People people have to stop and learn. Yeah. It's not nothing new. Yeah. 
I saw somewhere on social media, um, someone said that it's a privilege to learn about racism, to have to learn about racism. Yes, it is. You know, and when you have to experience it, right, that's how you know you're not privileged. And I thought that was so key. And to jump off of what Marcus was saying, um, I think this situation, because it has been happening for so long, it has given me a reverence for our ancestors in a way that is like real on a whole other level mm. you know like i just feel like they have laid the blueprint for us absolutely and just to know like how fatigued we've been feeling mm-hmm. and to know that they were going through this for centuries and years and generations and generations it it, it made me see their work and their resilience in a way that i haven't seen before this is almost like our job. Every every black person's job is to grow up, experience racism, and teach somebody else about it. What's interesting to me is that, like I was saying earlier, it's almost like a generational thing, right? We are literally experiencing spiritually and emotionally what our ancestors went through. Do you know how effective that is being that it has carried even to today mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. us today mm-hmm. emotionally we're still upset emotionally we're still angry emotionally we're still distraught emotionally we are carrying that mm-hmm. generational emotion and distra- and pain from our ancestors that just and should not- let you know right. how effective right. that still is within us and not only the pain, it shows you the long-lasting endurance of yes. racism in this country oh. and how deep-rooted it is, you know? Like, the fact that it still endures to this day, that is so profound. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous yeah. that, that, that we have to still go through these situations. Like, I told, like, you know, like I see, when I look at these protests and, and all of these different states... The most beautiful thing that I see is that there are many other races out there. Uh-huh. And a lot of the other races, what that shows me, without even talking to them, what that shows me is that, that people in general, no matter what color you are, no matter what race you are, you're sick and you're tired. Uh-huh. You're tired to see to see that. It's a cruel thing. Like I said, I understand police are in a, are in a position of authority. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, they have an authority um, stance on things. But at, at, at any given point, especially like in that George Floyd situation, that quickly went from a legal situation uh-huh. to a human situation. Uh-huh. You, don't, mm-hmm. you, you, don't, you don't act out like that. That man could have swore, and, and who knows? He could have swore with all of the other cases that uh, these other police officers have gotten off. He could have thought, his mind, if he dies, I'm going to get off. Yeah, and why he probably (laughs) held his knee on there so casually for so long. I mean, again, these cops have been so used to being okay knowing that they've committed crime, you know? And again, I know that all cops aren't bad. I get that. I know that all white people aren't bad. I get that Uh too. I Uh love my, you know, white counterparts that actually do stand and do have a voice in all of this Uh because they do see the, the, when it really matters or when it, what it really means, they see the difference between right and wrong. That's it. It's just the difference between right and wrong. Right. Agreed. 
So as I go on to question three, um, like I said in my introduction, um, we often hear that the protests, the rioting, the looting are occurring because we're demanding justice for George Floyd. Again, when in a matter of fact, there's really over countless injustice within this country. Uh, trauma and simply pain over what does not seem to be changing, which is inequality. What are your thoughts on the reactions of people overall? Uh, is it justified? Why and why not? What are your thoughts on everything that's going on? Anybody can jump in. <laughs> All right. I, I think, hell yeah, it's justified. Um, <laughs> I think we learned in a very real and blatant way through COVID how much our government does not care about us, mm. period. Yeah. And even the groups of people, the professions that we thought that maybe the government cared about, like the medical professionals, the doctors, we saw clearly that the government's bottom line MO is the bottom dollar. And I think it's important to note that we don't, I, I know this is controversial, Mm-hmm. Not everyone believes in peaceful protests. Like some people do not believe in that. That's it. And I believe, I genuinely believe, if we were all sitting around singing kumbaya, peaceful, being quiet as they want, things were not getting burned down, nothing would happen. But when you start messing with people's money, all of a sudden things move. So I, and I, it's important to know, of course, there's some rioters, there's some looters that we're capitalizing off of a horrible situation. But I stand in my position that if buildings weren't getting burned down, companies, Starbucks weren't getting burned down, no semblance of accountability or justice would be served. So, hell yeah, it's justified. Let me tell you something. I agree with everything. Because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, like, you know, there was a quote that was going around because a lot of people wanted to talk about they waited. And when I say to other people, other people, they waited until the rioting and everything started. They mm-hmm. waited to speak about the rioting. Mm. They are so quick to condemn African-American people. Oh, you're burning down your own community. You're burning down your own places of business. We don't own that. Right. We don't own that stuff. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, most of those those African Americans own their own businesses, who who have uh, like a property or something like that. They pay somebody else. They mm-hmm. have they have a landlord. Mm-hmm. They have a renter. So we don't own that. And even if you did, you I, I would hope that you're smart enough to have insurance mm-hmm. because number one, when you have a protest, you're going to have protesters, you're going to have rioters, and you're going to have looters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, in all of these states where they had uh, protesters for George Floyd. You had people who went out there just for just to destroy stuff. Yeah. yeah. You had people there just to go in and rob and steal. But it was convenient. It was convenient for some to pinpoint, look what the African Americans are doing. Uh-huh. There were equal amount of white people doing the same thing. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It was equal amount of people who were going in there, getting them TVs, buying all of these things. And when they do those things, that you have to think back as to why. Mm-hmm. Why I'm always the type of person to go to the root. Why are mm-hmm. people rioting? Why mm-hmm. are people looting? Why are people protesting? Go back. Yeah. You have to have a reason to do all of this. Mm-hmm. If you are rioting and you are protesting and you are looting, why? 
When you go uh-huh. back and you, you trace the reasons, you understand why none of that would be going on if that cop didn't do what he did. Uh-huh. That's it. Uh-huh. That's it. We wouldn't have no march. We wouldn't have to do anything. People always act like we, we jump up and we do things just, just because we are the type, we, we're aggressive type of people and we are just going to do anything. I don't, I'm not trying to hear that at all. You know what I'm saying? Go to the root. If I was a black person who had a business or had a home or something like that, I would be sorry. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Man, my, my, my store. But I would 100% understand. Right. Because products are more meaningful than life. That is that is that what we're saying? Absolutely not. Ava DuVernay said it best, and I'm not going to, like, do justice to what she said. But she said, you have to think, especially white folks, if you feel like you're so down for the cause and you were really upset about George Floyd's murder and then you see the looting, someone stealing a pair of sneakers and you're like, oh, I can't think about this issue of George Floyd anymore. Look at these looters. You need to really question and evaluate how down for the cause you were. Right. If you're able to yeah. switch up that much and you you can't see the, really what we're fighting for because some sneakers or some whatever were stolen, then you need to check yourself. I actually agree with the both of you. I personally do feel that they're all needed. You know, do it, whatever, burn it all down. Honestly, why? Because it gets the it gets the conversation started. It makes people want to look and be like, okay, why is this happening? And again, they may it's, it's people out there saying, oh. Well, they're not they're not paying attention to, you know, why what what we're all doing is for. You're right. That's what the protesters are for, right? Uh-huh, the uh-huh. rioters, the people who yeah. burn buildings down and the looters, they're doing that to again be a part of the conversation. Uh-huh. All of this, like Marcus said, would not be happening if none of this was happening. Period. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So um T D Jake said it the best last night, or I was listening to a sermon, he has said, um, History, when effect or change happen, you will see a line in history that it is a bloody business. It is a violent business. When when things start to happen, when you start to, to make change, you will notice that violence follow or precedes that. Period. Always. And when you take the, take, take the, 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 the anger out of it, because a lot of people are saying... Oh, you know, they angry or whatever. Okay, sit me down. All you know, certain certain people that want to talk about the issues. Okay. So we're not rioting, we're not moving, we're not protesting. Okay. What do you want me to do? Uh-huh. What uh-huh. you want me to do? I guarantee yeah. nobody can come right. with yeah. black people. We've had our opportunity for justice. Right. There's a record. You understand? Right. There's a record of us seeing what happens when we are in these situations. Right. We could run down all those people's names. We could run right. down every situation. Man, woman, and child. When when we are, are victims of police brutality or brutality by another race, we are always the victim and we never get any justice. So mm-hmm. if we don't get any justice, what do you think this people is going to do? Like Martin Luther King said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Mm-hmm. So that means you're not hearing me. Right. You got all these people around the world in New York, Delaware, in every single state, if you got all these people protesting, that means you're not listening. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And it's a privilege. And it takes gall for someone to tell us how they think we should protest the oppression that they inflict on us. Mm-hmm. We, we tried to peacefully kneel. And they had so much to say about it. 
and like the the irony and like the the disturbing poetic justice if you could call it that that george floyd was killed by a knee when all we were trying to do was take a knee like they had so much to say when we were peacefully protesting and they have so much to say when we're violent and when we're loud about it like the answer is don't try to police how we protest police your police like mm-hmm. police the systematic racism that got us here not our response to it mm-hmm. you know, yeah i feel good finale i was gonna say i feel like for people who don't really understand what's going on they will do anything to focus on uh you know the what's being happening in terms of the riots and they'll they'll keep focusing on that and forget to question the why um and in in terms of the original question i think i think people are allowed to react the way that they are and um obviously they want to be they want to be heard they want to be seen and they're not they're not getting that yeah correct that's true. Yeah. Nobody, and nobody seems to want to talk about it. And another thing I don't like, too, is people like to pick and choose. Yeah. You know, pick and choose what you want to talk about. You yeah. Know, uh-huh. And you you, get, you got these people out here who, um, they, they have, they, they are quiet. You know, I was always told when situations like this, important life situations happen, you always listen to who's quiet. Mm. And when they, and when they're quiet, I have friends that I grew up with in school, you know, that I went to work with or whatever, silent. Well, we oh, haven't touched silent. on that yet. So wait uh-huh. until we get to that question, we'll sir. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that for sure. Um, yeah. What I wanted to touch on, again, with the rioting and the looting and the protesters all together, um, we've all come to the consensus that, yes, it is all justified, all of it. Absolutely all of it. You can't, even someone with common sense knows that you can't back an animal, even an animal, up in Uh a corner and continue to abuse it, abuse it, abuse it, and Uh don't think that it will come out and attack. You Uh serious? Uh Even a sheltered dog who's been abused his entire uh, life will come out and bite and fight back for himself, at least. It was just before George Floyd where... I think some, a- some Amy Cooper. No, is that what you're talking about? Okay. No, it was a there was a um there was a state or a couple states that wanted to open up, but the the governors were like, "No, white people got together with guns." Oh yeah, yeah, down oh, yeah. To Capitol Hill, and they were raising all types of like violence and stuff like that. Now they didn't shoot anybody, but they were going they were going crazy. They was erupting everything. They were they were protesting their right to be there and requested that state open up and they did it almost with a violent type of tendency. It's extremely clear the difference in how certain groups are handled. Period. It's extremely clear. Extremely clear. Absolutely. What we're trying to really make people understand is that all we want is the same treatment everybody else is getting. Right. That's it. Just to be treated like a human. Right. And I love what Marcus said and taking it a step further. Think about Dylan Roof, the white boy that shot up all those innocent people. Okay. (laughs) So okay, protesters with guns, that's one thing. What about 
white boys with guns that actually murder people and are are dealt with civility and are taken to Burger King after they shoot up a place, okay? And you mean to tell me that you can't you can't restrain someone without killing them? You can't. And you, and you, you absolutely can. Boy? Say it again. You saw, you saw how skinny that boy was. Yes. You, you act like you couldn't restrain restrain. You put a bulletproof vest on him. You walk him out. You do all yes. This, but you you got to kill. For what? Because they're afraid of us. There's an. I was literally going to say, what is the big threat? (laughs) What does the color of our skin mean to to you? What does it really mean? What is it saying to you? Does it say dangerous? Does it scream danger, danger, safety, need to run to? I don't understand. I don't know. I I don't get it. Yo, yo, I'll I'll never get it. Ah. Man. That's a complicated question. The, listen, days. we can go on and on and again, um, just with the, the the history of violence in this country from the other side towards us. I mean, again, uh-huh. I know that all white people aren't bad, and that's not what I'm portraying right now. But when you have the racist white people that come on to different platforms and they say, oh, all lives matter, and, Gosh. you know... X, Y, Z. It's like, how, Sway? <laughs> how can all lives matter if one particular group of people are constantly, constantly being brutalized and certain you know injustice in this country? How can all lives matter? Stop all, saying that. All lives do matter. All lives, of course matter they matter. Until black lives matter. Everybody got to matter. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so crazy when people say that too. Like it's like they want to combat, like because you know white people started that, you know, all lives matter and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? That's the only rebuttal they have. That's they wanted to include that. They wanted to include it. They didn't want it to be all about black people. And we we never said we wanted to all be about us. We've never said that. You know what I'm saying? We, we are constantly, in our own way, we have to draw attention to what is going on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to draw attention to what's going on. You can't be involved in that. If you're not, yeah. not going to be for the change, you can't be, you can't be involved in it. Yeah. I mean, you have no two cents. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Period. Uh-huh. Man, it's, it's, it's so, it, it, again, there's, there's just so much, you know, just heaviness within us, you know, and within our culture, um, within our community in general. Um, it, it, it may sound as if we're coming off angry. We <laughs> <Really>? are. <laughs> exactly. It's okay. You're allowed to be angry. Um, it, it could come off as if we're, you know, we're, we're frustrated and all of the above, honestly, and, and that we just hate everybody that's not black. And again, that's not true. Um, right. we, we love, humanity should love humanity period mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. as as black people i mean you can find us anywhere and be accepted and we accept others that's what really hurts me is that no matter what race comes across us because we know what it feels to be downtrodden we also have empathy for other races honestly yeah. there is no yeah. black person that i know personally that does not or that hates another group of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because we mm-hmm. understand what it feels like to be hated. Oh, and yeah. me, a lot of people say, 
you know, because of the actions of African Americans now, that proves that we hate white people. No. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. To be prejudiced, the definition of being prejudiced is to is judge somebody before you know them. Mm. With with African Americans, we got a history of being judged before people have known us. White people got the history of being prejudiced. They they are the ones to go down in history as the ones who have prejudged not only just African Americans. Any race, history. Of color. Come on. Any race of color, they are the ones who who, who spearhead that uh, that notion of being prejudiced. So you cannot use that against African Americans because if you want to use that against African Americans, then we're right because we we have the history of what y'all have done to our ancestors. So there's no reason for us to be prejudiced. We know. We yeah. see it's been a part of history. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hmm. Can't use that. Can't use that. I um I definitely want to get on with um with the topics and of course other questions. Um, number four is uh, what is your perspective when someone argues that there is no uprising when blacks kill other blacks? There's no uprising when whites kill other whites. Yeah. When Indians kill other Indians, where Asians kill other Asians. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no uprising when it comes to that. Yes, black on black crime in, in the, the African American community is very. That's another issue. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, you know I think saying? that's not the problem at hand. There's a, there's a <laughs> problem on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a diversionary tactic and fallacy. Yeah. Like, people nuance like we can have two issues at the same time and care about them both and deal with them both right Mm -hmm. when black people kill black people from around the way we don't just not care we grieve and we lament and we go through it it's just not on the news right Mm -hmm. and so both can be true and i think that's such a that's such a dumb fallacy to even bring up i hate when you know white folks use that because yeah. if we address the systematic issues in our communities, give people jobs, keep, give people access to health care, um, deal with poor slash over policing, I guarantee you put better schools in communities, yeah. give people access to healthier foods. Uh, I guarantee you black on black crime will go down. Yeah. I, and, and it's I, like it's connected. Yeah. And I think the way the system is also set up is set up to pin you guys against each other. Uh-huh. There's not enough opportunities out there for all of you, and that pins you against each other. Right. right. Well said. That's, That's a good point. That is well said. Um, I am going to quote, you know, um, uh, a pastor of mine who said that, you know, we should be angry when blacks kill other blacks, you know, as we are, you know, we're we upset, we grieve, we're angry. The only difference between that and what's happening now between police officers or random, you know, racist white people that are killing black people and profiling really is that black people aren't being killed because of their race. Uh, so black people don't kill other black people because they're black. Uh, uh, That's mm-hmm. the only difference. 
So again, that uh-huh. narrative is just bombarding. It's, it's you could just uh-huh. kill that right now, just kill it. Uh-huh. Cause you yeah. don't find a black person that's gonna kill another black person because they're black. <laughs> uh, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you feel obligated to say something about injustice in this country, especially during times like this? I do. Go ahead, Marcus. No, I'm just that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There's nothing else to say. That's, that's true. Yeah. That's so that's, true. You know what? I realized I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, just um, not as an outsider, but as an outsider, um, Mm -hmm. this is a matter of what's right versus what's wrong. And it's not something you can choose. There's no, you know, it's right to a certain extent or it's wrong to a certain extent. It's racism is right or wrong and it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's not that, you know, I can choose to ignore this. Um, You are human just like me and. I feel obligated to say something about injustice as if it were happening to me or if I were in your position. And there is no, you know, this doesn't affect me as a human being. It does and it should. Absolutely. I think I've I've always felt obligated to speak about injustice when there's not a big, you know, story on the headlines. But one thing that I realized recently that I had to sort of undo in recent weeks I felt obligated to speak to white people and educate white people Mm. who just couldn't get it. Mm. And I realized that's not my job. Mm. I can educate someone who's ignorant. I cannot educate someone who's willful in their ignorance and committed to their ignorance. So what I was doing in the last few weeks was talking to white people who just didn't want to get it, who were like, blue lives matter and all lives matter. And I realized I was dispensing so much energy that I could be pouring into my community and into myself, right? Because we are going through it. And so if you want to stay committed to your willful ignorance and you want to live your life in in this bubble and you can't, you know, I had someone tell me I, I struggle with the word privilege. Like, really? Out of like all the literature that's out, all these conversations that are being had, and you still uncomfortable with your white privilege, I, I'm not the one to educate you. That's not my job. And so now I don't feel obligated to educate everybody. Like the literature yeah. is out there, the experiences are out there. If you don't want to listen, that's on you. But I need to take care of myself and I need to take care of my community in whatever ways that shows up. For someone, first of all, to say that they struggle with the word privilege just shows that they are privileged. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I again. know. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's, and I agree wholeheartedly with you too, Sophia, because I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine not long ago about how there are really some white people who have maybe never been around black people or uh-huh. been around that many black people that just really don't understand. Uh-huh. Maybe we should teach them. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, we're in 2020. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. There's Google. Right. There's like, I don't know if people use Yahoo anymore. Maybe I'm aging myself. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Like, there's so much YouTube videos that right. you can just watch mm-hmm. and just really learn about just our history in general. Right. What right. is there to be still ignorant about? I right. really don't know. Like, right. I honestly don't know. There are countless books out there. Well, I mean? I mean, it goes back to what I said. It's willful ignorance. 
when I, when I speak to like white people, and I know this from speaking to my white students, I teach at a predominantly white institution. The way that I even begin the conversation, I say like having skin privilege, having white privilege does not mean you do not go through things in life. Right. It doesn't mean that you're rich. It doesn't mean that you come from generational wealth. It doesn't mean that you don't face adversity. It just means that the adversity you face is not on the count of your skin. And that's how we started off. And if people can't see that, it's kind of like, I can't have a conversation with you. Like, I can't, <laughs> especially not right now. Yeah, it's extremely difficult to have conversation with people like that because, again, like I was saying, they are they're still trying to in a way they they are they are allowing themselves to stay to stay the way that they are right, you know I mean? right. um to remain mm-hmm. ignorant and again we can't help people like that right it's not our job um let me go on manali seemed to have been cut off Mal, are you still there can you hear us Sorry, uh, listeners, we are on a telephone call, FaceTime, group FaceTime, so it's a little difficult for us to hear each other, um, but we'll get through it. Uh, We'll just move on to the next question, though. Um, What is your perspective on a person of color, i.e. of African descent, who says nothing? Like one of us. (laughs) I, I, I wouldn't be quick to judge. Mm-hmm. a black person who says nothing mm-hmm. I would be quick and eager to ask them questions and figure out why it's important to know that any community including the black community we're not a monolith we don't all think the same yeah. and Marcus alluded to this earlier right there are some black folks that support the agenda of white supremacists because of self-hate and other reasons there's some black folks who voted for Trump and there's mm-hmm. some black folks who still support Trump Right. Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear from those black folks during this time. It's best for everybody that they don't speak to me. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's important for people who don't get it to listen and educate themselves. Right. Because we we can't have a situation where everybody's talking. And And that's what's happening. Everyone got something to say. But if you don't have the right thing to say, if it's not informed, if you haven't done the work to educate yourself, or if you're willfully in- ignorant. Like, it's important to know that. I don't think there's a whole lot of us like this, but there, there is, there are black folks who stay committed to certain things for whatever reason. And so that's not the black person I'm trying to hear from right now. And first, and another thing too, you have to understand, there are a lot of African Americans who are just simply tired. Yes. Yeah. They're tired of continuing yeah. To, yeah. to march, to protest, to... To, to write their congressmen, to uh, get in these little huddles and talk to their neighbors and stuff like that. There's a lot of African-American people who are just, they are exhausted. Yeah. yeah. You understand what I'm telling you? I've seen signs on social media of people holding up signs and, and they're saying that I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, and I can't sit, I can't believe that I'm still protesting for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you got people who are tired. I personally... It does not matter to me if I see African-American people who are not quiet. Because at some point in time, you have to sit down and let somebody mm. else do the fighting. Yes. Let somebody else get up and start talking. Yes. Let somebody else get up and start doing this thing. Because, again, this new millennium, 
of individuals, young people who are coming up, they're not having that no more. This yeah. is not the sixties, this is not the seventies. And you 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 have people that want real change. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This 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 notion of hate and mm-hmm. racism and just outright division is not being sought for no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if you want to stay quiet and, and it's again, it's not just for African Americans. There's a lot of white people out there, a lot of Asians. There's a, I watch a lot of documentaries on that. There's a lot of Asians. There's a lot of um, uh, uh, Latin brothers and sisters, people of color of this all around who just don't, yeah. they don't even have the energy no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's real. That's real. Work. And self-care during this time can be it's, a revolutionary thing. It's yeah, needed. Really, you know, yeah. so if you got to take a step back, get off of social media like I did for the last couple of weeks, yeah. you know, to just regroup and get yourself together, that's okay. I think yeah. that's different. Yeah, I've been the same think, thing. Sorry, Manali, go ahead. I was going to say, I think everyone grieves in different ways. And um, if someone is choosing to stay quiet and away from the media in order to maintain their mental health, then they're allowed to do so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, I agree with all of you. <laughs> in a way, I, I do have to um, kind of come back and say that, okay. in a way, that okay. as a person of um, color, how is it that you are not standing up for what you are representing? You know, what it is that you represent. Even if you're not constantly out there or, like, you're not protesting or you're not the one that, you know, are posting countless, you know, uh, informational history lessons on social media, there has to be something in the background that you're doing, you know? Because at the end of the day, you are a representation of the people you see around that are being, you know, injustice around you. You are, if you are a black person, you have to stand up for what you represent, in my opinion. And other people may, you know, feel indifferent about that. I just, I personally cannot see myself just being completely quiet. If it's something that I'm doing within educating my, you know, little niece and nephew, or just, you know, people who I'm seeing around, like, you know, that's not right. Just something, Mm -hmm. you know, something has to be said or just done in general. Yeah, are you are you saying when you ask this question, what is it at? Um, Right. What is your perspective on a person of color who says nothing? Yeah. Are you saying says nothing is the same thing as doing nothing, like feel nothing and doing nothing? No, absolutely not. It's not the same as feeling nothing. I understand that we all feel. I understand that we all have emotions and we all deal with those emotions and feelings differently. I get that 100 percent. And my and my. I guess argument is that if you feel those things, why won't you voice them? And I get everyone is not the same, but it's like something has to be done to what it is that you're feeling. You know, when someone's sad, do they not cheer themselves up some way? You know, when someone is angry, do they not, you know, make themselves happy? It's like, what are you doing with those emotions you're feeling? I agree with that. There are people... When I look at that, I know some people who are older who 
they, they're they not savvy with social media or they don't have, you know, there's a generational gap, but they're not quiet. They but educate they, at least, like even if they're not though, out on the front line, they are yeah, at least educating. When things like this happen, when things like this happen, they still talk about it. They may not be as aggressive as they were before, you know, back in the 60s, handing out pamphlets and flyers come to this meeting or whatever. But when they, when things like this happen, it's on the news, it's on social media. I see some of the OGs back from back in the day. They will sit some of the young people down and be like, yeah, well, back in the day, we had to do this, we had to do this. And they will, they will tell them how to go about certain things, you know, um, always keep this in mind or be sure of this and X, Y, and Z. So they, they do say things, they do go over things, but they may not do it. Mm-hmm. And the way that most people do it today, right? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Because we live in a social media generation, right? So if you're not, po- if you didn't post it, it didn't happen. Right. And so we have to kind of rethink. We got to rethink that strategy. Um, so I think what you're saying, Mel, is that we're all responsible to do some level of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and some of it may be quiet, and some may happen in the background, mm-hmm. and some has to be, you know in the forefront of what's going on something um yeah something has to happen right yeah yeah i agree again to quote you know, uh, T.D. Jakes, this was a bomb sermon. I suggest y'all go and look at it. I'll it check so it out. Bomb. He said, you know, um, just the people, like you said, who were like in the 70s, so on and so forth, they are in like, you kind of think about like the Bible, the, the generation of Moses, right? But then when the baton was passed to Joshua, that describes kind of like this millennium now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like the older generations are the Moses generation. Right. And now Mm -hmm. we are the Joshua generation where we just Mm -hmm. tear shit up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, that's that violence that's needed to promote change in a way. You know, depends on how you look at it. Right. So what about your non-black counterparts that say nothing? Any thoughts about that? The silent people. Marcus is about to go in on this earlier. <laughs> what? What about the what? What the, the silent white people? Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> to me it's 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 always disturbing. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I it goes back to like I said, for me the earliest I can think of is, is really the Trayvon Martin. When that happened, you know, I've heard I heard some people say, "Well, he shouldn't have had his hoodie on. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have walked through." He shouldn't have uh, um, said anything to George. He should have complied. He should have did this. He's a, he, for what? Mm-hmm. Who? T- what kind of person? You are a neighbor. You're not. You, you wasn't a cop. You're not a cop. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not somebody of authority. You're not my relative or anything like that. Why should I have to stop for you? This is because you said to stop. Mm-hmm. And when things like this happen, some of the some some people that I know non-black they are eerily quiet mm. they, they they talk about other things they mm-hmm. talk about other things that are going on you know what i mean situations like this or circumstances like 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 this george floyd trayvon martin all of them it's a hot topic once mm-hmm. once something like that happens it's all over the place mm-hmm. that's the topic of discussion you yep. know what i'm saying nobody says anything they have nothing to say until something happens to one of them. Yeah. And to that is where the problem to me is you're quiet 
on social matters that you want to pick and choose on what you want to talk about. And that's wrong. To intercede mm-hmm. really quick, is there an argument that, you know, if they do say something, they're attacked? If they don't say something, they're still attacked? So damn if they do, damn if they don't? No, it depends on what you say. Because if you if you are, again, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not racist, I got a lot of white friends, I got a lot of friends of color, of, of anything, I'm not prejudiced at all. My thing is, when you speak on something, you need to, you need to make sure... Uh-huh. You speak on everything. Don't wait to speak on something. If you want to talk about rioting, you want to talk about looting, you want to talk about the protests, why? Why are we doing those things? Go back. I had a conversation with a, 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 um, a girl I went to school with. She was white. I had a conversation with her. She went in. She posted every article, every uh-huh. video, every page, every comment, anything that she could post. When uh-huh. it came to the writing, uh-huh. and when I went before, I, it, it hit me, and I said, "You know what? I'm I'm a, I'm going to comment on that, but I want evidence." I went back on her page. Not one post, not one, did she post about the death of George Floyd. Not one. Uh-huh. She didn't post anything. Uh-huh. She didn't have a. She didn't have a. Wow, that's crazy. That that cop should go to jail. Rest in peace. Uh, what a shame. Nothing. Yeah. She didn't have anything. Yeah. You know she didn't have one post. So when I commented and I asked her, I said, it's funny how you can comment and post on the uh, the writing, but you, have you asked yourself why these individuals are doing what they're doing? Well, yeah, because they, um, of the, the, the George Floyd murder. So comment on that. <laughs> Speak on that. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Don't don't just comment on the rioting. Why are they doing it? Mm. Yeah, that's what you need to speak on. Speak on that. Yeah, but you, you can't do that because now if you do, it's going to be some type of allegiance, as it were, in your mind. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to have to side with black people. It's not siding with black people. It's not siding with black people. It's siding on what is right. Right. This is, this is not. A black and white thing. Black and white people are spearheading the the, the 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 conversation when it comes to racism because that's what it is. Those are the yeah. groups that spearheaded. But it's it's, it's 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 this is a right and wrong situation. You know what I'm saying? This is a right and wrong situation. If this situation where George Floyd was flipped around, it would have been completely different. Yeah, completely yeah, different. I, I I hear everything you're saying, Marcus, and I agree to a certain extent. And I think that white silence is loud and white silence is real. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note that a lot of white silence comes from a lot of folks who don't really see this as right or wrong. Or they're on the wrong side of history. They're on the wrong side of the argument. And so it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, even black folks, not some black folks not having the quote unquote right thing to say. I'm not trying to hear from that friend of yours that you were talking about because she clearly she made a statement that the writing was more horrible than the actual death. That's not what I'm trying to hear in this moment. Like white allies who are informed, who have been doing the work for real. Yes, they are speaking up. They're posting things. I love it. But there are a group of white folks 
who may not necessarily be racist, but they are navigating through this and figuring things out and educating themselves. I, and maybe they can verbalize that. Like I'm taking a step back to, to educate myself. But my thing is we don't need wrong information or wrong perspectives being spewed out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like people need to, especially white people need to take the time to inform themselves before they speak up. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people don't speak up because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Right. Well, if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, educate yourself so you don't say the wrong thing. Right. Correct. You know? Correct. Um, so I, I think that's important to know. I agree, Sophia. I always commend uh, someone who isn't black to just ask questions and be mm -hmm. like, well, why and what is happening and help me understand. Like, that is a person who is willing to, you know, get the other side of things, you know, to understand what this injustice and why we're really all so upset about, really, you know? And um, <clears throat> that's that's the difference between, again, what, what makes change happen, what creates change, what allows it to actually follow through as opposed to it being the way it's been this entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, Manali, you said that you had spoken to uh, your parents. Did you talk to them about what has been going on? Did they have their perspective or did you have to kind of um, enlighten them in some way? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, for non-black uh, communities, this is a, I shouldn't say community because some people don't really have communities, but um, it's a conversation worth having um, at the least and, you know, uh, within your household to educate your family, especially the elders, on what the real issue is. And it's not just police killing black people, it's the history of oppression and the system built to keep them there. And that is they, they don't know the history behind that mm. maybe because of where they're derived in their countries potentially yeah i mean because yeah. you know when a lot of these immigrants come in they come in um they get to work right away they're there to set up you know a future for their family and they i don't want to say they don't have time but they don't feel the need to even get involved with um uh, politics isn't even the right issue, but something that doesn't directly affect them, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and now that, you know, we're established or not, it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. This is this is a question of humanity at stake. Yeah. Right, right. And yeah. everyone needs to be involved. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Very well said. Um, so my last point for this afternoon, or I guess for this podcast, is what is what is living during this time teaching you, if anything? What has changed or remained the same, whether it's your thoughts, feelings, words, or actions? Um, I wanted to share like a, a, a little situation that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, it was when the protest for George Floyd uh, just was erupting and I was having a particularly hard night and, you know, group chats blowing up. We're all talking about it till the early morning. I finally can get some sleep around 1 or 2 a.m. And I hear the loudest yelling uh, that woke me up out of my sleep. And I heard someone say, shut the fuck up, you fucking black nigger. Wow. 
I ran to my window and it was my white neighbor screaming at two black men from like across the parking lot. So I'm distraught, obviously. I'm trying to take out my phone to record, but I'm high key, kind of nervous. I don't want, you know, it's in the middle of the morning. I don't want the light to alarm or, you know, notify her. So I don't record. And she's cursing them out. And then she walks to her apartment. And when she walks to her apartment building, I notice that she's with her black biracial son. What? I've never, I've seen this white woman before and I've seen this black biracial. I didn't know he was biracial. He, he looks like a light-skinned, you know, a black boy. And I've interacted with him several times as I walk my dog because they have a white dog. But that moment was like, it was like a reckoning for me. And I know what it's like to be called the N-word. I also know what it's like to be in the presence of the white people that think they're down and think it's okay for them to use that word. But I've never had that experience. And there was something about, like, my literal physical neighbor using that word and knowing that she wielded a weapon and using the N-word while having a black son. Yeah. And, um... It was very sobering for me in a in a whole other way. And it, and it wasn't just the fact that she used the N-word. It's the fact that a part of her insult was the word black. It was you fucking black nigger. And I laid in my bed, distraught, I'm upset, can't go back to sleep. And the next day, you know, I'm doing my thing, walking the dog. And it was the first time that I felt as though my skin was like a weapon to them like I knew that theoretically and intellectually how our skin color is weaponized against us but like for me it was just like whoa I literally do not feel safe in this community anymore yeah so I think all of these events have made me um just see how I show up in the world in a different way and I'll end on it like a more positive note I guess When all of this stuff was going on, what really gave me hope was getting emails from my students, both white and black, particularly my white students who said, Professor Sunshine, thank you so much for the work that you've done in our class. I took you in semester, blah, blah, blah. And it's because of your class that I have the language and the ability to speak to my white family members and my white friends who don't get it. And also getting, you know, those same notes from, from black students. And so I think this time for me reaffirmed that the work that I've been doing is so relevant in a way that I knew kind of, but know on a deeper level. And that has been my solace in all this craziness. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, great story. That is, wow. I, man, listen. I think that would be a whole new Yo. topic to talk on women who have biracial children and still weaponize. Yo, it was like a scene from a movie. Oh, my God. It was like a scene from that a movie. That is something. And she looked so proud. She smi- She was literally smiling as she walked back. And her black son was smiling, too. Wow. And I... And I, I can only assume that he it was like an awkward smile for the black son but she knew what she had done and i kid you not i see her all the time now all the time Mm -hmm. so what a reminder to live with you know yeah Mm. 
That's that is that is horrible. I mean, I can yeah. only imagine what he's gonna grow up to be like. Honestly, I but know that is wild. Um, that's good. Thanks for sharing that, Marcus. Thank do you, you have anything? Me? Yes. I would say living now, especially during the, the most recent events, it, it shows me that we're at a point right now where in hit this is this is very historic. Uh-huh. It can go either way. You know, as 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 a people and as a as a race of individuals, black, white, whoever. We've been on a certain path. Right now, I believe that in, in, in essence, we're at a fork in the road to to have better community relations with individuals of different races. You can you can go to the right, where a lot of people will now start to have that conversation. You know, you start to you know want to know why certain things are taking place, like the Colin Kaepernick issue like these protests you want to know why certain people of of non-color they want to know why they want to have that conversation they're starting to implement certain things they're starting to be a more diverse people or you can continue on the same course that you've been going on there's a decision that's going to have to be made you know what I'm saying there's a decision that has to be made as a people to make sure that something changes now, when you look out in, in, in the world, you see that. You see all of these people of different races, different ethnic backgrounds, ages, um, genders, everything. They're all protesting for change. They're all coming together. You know what I mean? Because, because they're sick and they're tired of what is actually happening. Yeah. So, from a positive standpoint, I see that. But just, just like how everybody was protesting for... George Floyd, you also still have a side of you feeling that people are not hearing me. Because with everything that's going on, they they just found two black men who were hung by trees, uh. and you killed Rashard Brooks. This was after George Floyd. So yeah. right now, you're thinking to yourself, you're, you could be thinking to yourself, you know what? Are you really hearing me? You know what I'm saying? Are you really here? Are you? Is this something that? Is this something that is really positive? I mean, are are, are you really hearing what what's going on? After everything that has gone on with George Floyd, you still are abusing your power. Still. So, I say all of that to say, I guess, you know, as a people, we've we've come far. We started the conversation. But then we need to actually make sure are people really listening? You know what I'm saying? You hear me or are you listening? It's a big difference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, Me personally, I will say that the way this has changed me is... um, I mean, I've always had conversations like amongst my friends when there has been injustice in the world and, you know, talk to my friends and just people uh, with, you know, why it's happening, how does it affect us, you know, X, Y, Z. Not necessarily publicly. And I feel that um, for majority of my life, if not 
all of my life, I have always felt like I've been the safe black girl. Um, (laughs) The girl that, you know, um, doesn't really, you know, stir up things, don't really have much controversy, gets along with everyone. Um, But at the end of the day, my skin color represents who I am and a lot of other people like me as well. So to have a platform and to not say anything or to not present the opportunity to teach or to not express myself in a way is me silencing myself. And therefore, I want to, um, is it, when I speak, Manali? Sorry. I, I can't tell who it was, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, I, I definitely want to uh, voice who I am and to be proud with who I am and to walk in who I am, you know? Yeah. Um, even if it makes certain people feel uncomfortable. And I yeah. think that's where um, I am now because I have been so used to... Uh, you know, you hear a lot of times code switching right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um there's a lot of black people or even just people of color who walk into spaces and and easily code switch we could turn it on and off so good right Right. and it's like you know um not to say that i'm like a a ratchet hurrah or anything like that but like to really say "Ah," like you know every once in a while (laughs) when i walk into a space and be comfortable with that and 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 who i am and not feel ostracized by another group of people you know, um, so that's just where, you know, I am. And to say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, tired of making the other group feel uncomfortable for who uh, I am. Yeah, oh. I, I, can, um, I can relate so much to that. I think most of me is always just, you know, keep everything safe, be safe. And <laughs> I always want to make sure, you know, whoever I'm talking to feels um, uh, comfortable. But this is... Like, I'm sorry, if this conversation makes you feel uncomfortable, then be uncomfortable. I really have nothing more to say to that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to um, respect you or your opinion just because you're older than me, because that really has nothing to do with what the real issue is here. And I think, if anything, this is really allowing me to put into action the things that I've learned as I grew up. And, um, I'm going to get a little religious here, but, um, you know, I was, uh, like, I grew up with the receiving the thought that, you know, God is within everyone, and if that's the case, then everyone needs to be treated equally. Um, this includes you, um, and that, you know, we all bleed red, we're all human, and it's allowing me to affirm all of this by making me choose whether I want to stay quiet or whether I want to stand up for what's right and not turning away. Uh-huh. Very true. Man, all great points, all great points, and I felt like this was such a, an important conversation, and I'm happy you guys were able to join me again. Um, if any of you have any lasting thoughts or, you know, opinions, expressions, you can go ahead and speak now forever with your peace. <laughs> no? Uh, I, I, I don't have anything to say. I'm, I'm really here to listen to you guys and uh, see you and support you. So if there's anything I can do, please, please Thanks reach out to me. You are a dope friend indeed. <laughs> 
super dope. Appreciate you, yeah. yeah, like I said earlier, our ancestors paved the way for us. And so we have to glean, you know, we have to glean from them. Mm-hmm. The fact that they value community, we have to do that. The fact that they held on to their faith during like the most trying times, we have to do that. The find that the fact that they found time for joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They found time for joy. Like we can't be guilty for wanting to laugh or, you know, do the things that make us happy during this time. And they had resilience and longevity. And I think that there's a lot to be said about the blueprint that they left for us. Yeah. yeah. Don't like ignore what's going I think, on. Uh, I'm sorry, Marcus. I think one thing that we can all take away too is when 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 situations like this happen, it's very easy to become angry, and it's very easy to become hate filled at a person or people or whatnot. But one thing that I will say is that regardless of what situation happens that is motivated by hate and evil. You know, it's always a blessing to see that love will always win out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it could have easily turned into a major situation where, you know, people talk about a race war, civil war, whatever. It could have easily turned into that. But then right with the outcome, you see an outpouring of love. You know what I mean? People, people have come to, people of all races, they have all come to the aid of, those, those those family members who have lost, um, you, you know, members to to racial hate or, or or police brutality, members of all colors, the communities of all colors, they have all come out to show their respects or provide comfort to the family. So no matter what you do, no matter no matter how hate filled a, a certain event is, it's always important to know that love will always always win out. It does. It definitely yeah. does. Um, and again, as humanity, you know, um, this is something that no one should ignore. But, you know, um, to get spiritual or biblical, this too shall pass. And hopefully it does not come back again. Or hopefully yeah. it's one of those, you know, um, one of those instances where, you know, things get better from here. You know, like hopefully this is one of those things that... Uh, change effects in a good way. Yeah. A very good way. Yeah. Yeah. And white allies, we need you. We need you, white allies. Yes. <laughs> we do. Yes. Thank you guys for joining me today. Um, I appreciate the conversation and, of course, your words of encouragement. <laughs> Thank and you. Wisdom. You guys have a great day. You too. All right. Take Bye. care, everybody. Bye. Take care.